0: Detroit Today is supported by Waterwork Plumbing, providing licensed and insured plumbing and drain service for Metro Detroit homes and businesses. Learn more at waterworkplumbing.com.
1: Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Steven Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned here to WDET and NPR for continuing coverage of the hearings of Brett Kavanaugh before the Senate Judiciary Committee, his nomination to be the 114th Justice of the United States Supreme Court. All week we are following those hearings very closely, and you can hear all of it right here on WDET and on NPR. Up first today, yesterday, the Republican-led state legislature approved measures that are going to raise the minimum wage in Michigan to $12 an hour and will guarantee paid sick leave for employees throughout the state. It sounds like blue-collar, worker-minded legislation approved by a decidedly anti-labor Republican leadership. If you are confused, you can be forgiven for that confusion. But of course, it is really not that simple. Republicans took up these measures to try to prevent them from reaching voters in the form of a statewide ballot question. This fall, Republican leadership also appears to try to revisit these questions after the election and either dramatically change them or gut them all together. If that happened, it would set up, of course, a potentially long legal battle. But that's where we want to begin the conversation today. Should the legislature be doing things like this? Should the legislature be playing at trying to prevent voters from deciding for themselves on big issues like minimum wage and paid sick leave? And when they don't do that, when they interfere with that ability that we have under our Constitution to make those decisions as voters— What's the remedy? What should voters do as a way to push back? Joining us now to talk more about what is going on in Lansing is Zach Gorchow. He is the editor of Gongwer News Service. Zach, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, Zach.
2: Good morning, Stephen. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you?
1: Good. Uh, So let's start with exactly what's going on here. Uh, Explain how this can happen. Why? Why can the legislature prevent voters? from having their own say about an issue like this?
2: Well, the Michigan Constitution makes it pretty clear that if uh, people decide to circulate petitions for what's called an initiated act, a voter-initiated act, um, it, and they successfully get the signatures necessary, it does not go straight to the ballot. It goes to the legislature first. Uh, this is the way the Constitution was written and, and adopted in 1963. It's, it's kind of quirky, but that's how it is. Um, it's different now. Had this been put in the form of a constitutional amendment, then it would have gone straight to the people. The legislature wouldn't have gotten a crack at it. But that's why uh, this has happened, and the legislature does have the, uh, every right to adopt the initiated petition and uh, have it simply settled at that point and not go to voters.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, I, I have a hard time imagining that uh, in 1961 and 62 when they were talking about this new constitution for the state of Michigan, which was adopted in 1963. I, I have a hard time that they imagine that this is the way this would be used. <laughs> uh, but but talk about what the intent here is is this something that they would come back to maybe even in lame duck uh before the new that's legislature right. takes takes their seats uh to try to to try to scale back as a way of not giving the people even what they say they are trying to give them right now
2: you're right steven that's definitely is what what could unfold here over the next few months is definitely not what was envisioned with this process um Uh, The reason the legislature adopted these initiative petitions yesterday was, had they gone to the ballot and voters approved them, the Michigan Constitution then says any future amending of those laws would take three-quarters majorities in the House and the Senate. That's a very high bar to reach. However, the legislature by adopting these instead of letting them go to the ballot, that now means that three-quarters majority doesn't come into play. It only takes a simple majority to amend them. And the business groups who oppose these proposals uh, basically encourage the legislature to adopt them so that then they could be changed soon thereafter, maybe substantially changed, probably substantially changed. the ability to use the simple majority requirement right. that's what's in play here
1: yeah uh, it, it also strikes me that there are some tricky politics that enter the equation for members of the legislature here right so for Republicans essentially they're voting for a minimum wage Increase uh, voting to give people paid leave. Uh, Democrats uh, who might say, I don't like this kind of uh, subterfuge. I don't like this kind of manipulation would say, I don't want to vote for this, but then they're on record voting against a minimum wage increase right. and, and paid leave. Uh, how does that, how does that sort of shake out in the actual votes?
2: Uh, that's a great question. So on, on the house side, I think that's where it really played out you saw Democrats either voting no or mostly staying off the voting board until the Republicans had achieved the minimum 55 votes for passage. Mm-hmm. Once that happened, you saw about half the House Democratic caucus went up and put up a green light to vote yes, because at that point it was going to pass, and this is something they you know support as an issue, so their vote wasn't going to mean the difference between it being adopted or not adopted um however in the state senate uh, all of the democrats voted no the, the big difference there is most members current members of the state senate are not going to be running for office again whereas many many members of the state house will be and so you could see in a democratic primary if you had voted no on an, a minimum wage increase and paid sick time for employees that that's not going to look very good and it's going to be a very tangled explanation to say why you voted no.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Zach Gorchow. He's the editor of Gongwer News Service in Lansing. We're talking about the... the effort that GOP uh, legislators are making to try to head off voter referendums on minimum wage and paid leave here in the state of Michigan. Uh, They're taking it into their own hands uh, and may be planning to come back after the election and rewrite those things so that they don't actually increase, give working people a little boost. Uh, What do you think of that tactic? Uh, It is something that is allowed under our constitution here in the state of Michigan, but is that the way that legislators ought to be behaving, or uh, should they be respecting more what the voters want to say f- about these issues for themselves? Also, uh, tell us what you think voters ought to do as a way to push back against what the legislature are, are doing in Lansing. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, as always, the number on the phones is 313 1019 That's 313 1019 You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Michael on Facebook says, Sneaky GOP wants to screw over Michigan workers by dangling a treat of a reasonable income over their heads and then take it away despicable. Uh, Thanks very much for that comment there. Michael, let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit today.
3: Yeah, good morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know what, Steve, they say great minds think alike and the word subterfuge that you use. That was exactly one of the words I was going to use in my comment here. Hmm. There's a bunch of subterfuge and skullduggery going on here. I mean, you know, basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to suppress the vote. You know, in terms of people coming to, to the poll and vote, because if that thing would have been on there, along with the marijuana initiative, mm-hmm. I believe that, you know, they said that there was a record vote turnout in the primary. I think it's going to be the same thing in the general election. Mm. But I say this, you know, and in terms of, you know, the, um, you know, your, your people who are making minimum wage and trying to get a raise. I say this, vote the bums out. Anybody who voted to, you know, not let the people decide this, I mean, come on. You know, they wouldn't do their job in the first place. That's how it got to that point.
1: Yeah. Uh, Tom, thanks very much for the call and uh, the comments. uh, Zach, one of the things I always wonder about this is why legislators don't fear backlash from voters when they do things like this. What is it about the makeup of the legislature or... Uh, the way in which uh, legislators are elected that sort of inoculates them from the wrath of voters who I think if they if they took a look at what was going on, even if they disagreed uh, with a raise in the minimum wage, wouldn't particularly care for the way this is happening.
2: Well, if you look at, at the Senate, very few of them are ever really going to have to face a serious race for, for election. Mm-hmm.
1: Not Again, from the other so party, right?
2: You know, right. right you know, they're, they're really not you know, in in danger there. Um, And then in the House, you know, when you act on things that are very controversial and lame duck, there often is, you know, there's a lot of anger and so forth. But by the time you get to the next election cycle, which is almost two years away, that anger has faded and other issues, uh, more macro issues, uh, govern what's happening in the election. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about right to work. Happened in lame duck of 2012. There, there was so much um, anger on the Democratic side and among among uni- uh, many union workers mm-hmm. about this. Um, but by the time uh, the 2014 elections rolled around, the story was, you know, the Detroit Grand Bargain uh, having passed. Uh, you know, the Sny- Marx, uh, Mark Mark Rick Snyder race. Uh, frustration among some voters with President Obama. Right to work was really long
4: forgotten. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Again, uh, Tom, thanks very much for the call and the comments. Let's go to Brian in southwest Detroit. Brian, welcome to Detroit Today.
4: Hi, good morning. Uh, Thanks for taking my call. Um, I've got a question and a comment. I'll start with my comment. I'm not sure if your last caller mentioned it or not, but um, this is something that we've seen from the legislature before mm-hmm. uh, with the emergency manager law, mm-hmm. um, something that the voters uh, passed to bar, and the legislature coming back and uh, reinstating the emergency ladder. Uh, legislators, so it is uh, underhanded, certainly, uh, and and ignoring the will of the people, but um, something that that is to be expected from uh, this Republican Party. Hmm. Um, my question uh, to to you and to to your guests. Uh, is where is uh, Governor Snyder going to be? Uh, where will he stand in lame duck session? Um, he is, this bill now is veto proof because it's uh, a citizen-led uh, referendum that the legislature took up. But um, should the legislature walk it back um, after the election, I think this will be a real stand of Governor Snyder's legacy, uh, of him actually being a tough nerd and standing up to the legislature for what is right, or if he's going to get pantsed again by the mm. legislature. So, uh mm. I'll
1: take my comments off the air. Thanks. Uh, Brian, thanks very much for the call and the, the great comment and the question. Zach gorcha I'll give you a first crack at this. What what would the governor make of this
2: kind of thing? Well, he was asked about that very question last week and uh, dodged it, um, did not answer it. Basically said um, you know, that whether the legislature adopts the initiative petitions is up to them. He was asked, "Well, you know, would you be ready to endorse, you know, changes to these laws uh, in lame duck?" And he sort of did the old, "Well, that's a hypothetical. I, you know, I don't talk about legislation until it's in front of me." Yada yada yada. Um, I would be very surprised if the governor, you know, did not sign whatever the legislature puts in front of him on this. You know, he's very tight with the business community. The business community has made it very clear. Uh, that it it is alarmed by these proposals, and uh, I I would be awfully, awfully surprised if uh, he, you know, did not agree with whatever the legislature sends him, unless it's just something totally off the wall.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, uh, thanks very much, Brian, for the call and the questions. Let's go to Caroline in Rochester. Caroline, welcome to Detroit Today.
5: Good morning.
1: Uh Hey, how are you?
5: Good. Good. You know, I'm a lifelong Democrat. Um, I'm also a church-going person, and I'm really, really tired of, you know, if, if I have to suck it up because the Republicans have the majority and they use, you know, the rules to make these laws or not make these laws that we like or adopt legislation, great. But in this case, I see it, and I'm going to use a term, it's cheating. It's basically cheating, so when I hear these Republicans tell me, "Oh, I go to church, I'm a God-fearing person," I'm like how can you how can you live with yourself <laughs> when you're using loopholes like let me make an analogy, like a person who's on trial for murder, who murdered somebody but is going to use a loophole to get off. <laughs> Hmm. How
1: can you live with yourself? Carolyn, uh, I, I really appreciate the thoughts there and uh, your calling in to to, to share them. Uh, I, I think a lot of people can look at this and and ask the same question, you know, even though this is allowable under the rules of our constitution, why is it uh, why is it okay? Thanks very much again for uh, calling in. Let's go to Paul in Oakland Township. Paul, welcome to Detroit today.
0: Well, wow, thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. I just want to say this is exactly what happened on the federal tax cut where the Republicans lowered the tax, most irresponsible tax cut, I, I would say, in the history of the U.S., which could raise the public debt, publicly held debt. The minimal that's from the uh, Congressional Budget Office is 136% by 2028 of GDP, and it could go as high as 180% of gdp the publicly held debt which in in a lot of respects would think the country's bankrupt Mm -hmm. and yet if the republicans and they did it in in an effort to garner votes in in november and then if the democrats do win the house and they try to do something responsible they're going to be seen as wanting to raise your taxes Hmm. so it's it's a ploy to 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 manipulate voters and then to use that against the, the the democrats at a later date
1: yeah Uh, Paul, again, thanks very much for uh, the call and and the comments there. Uh, Zach Gorchow, I want to change the subject just a little bit here. Uh, A federal appeals panel on Wednesday reinstated Michigan's legislative ban on straight-ticket voting. Uh, Let's talk about what kind of effect that could have in November and whether uh, Democrats who supported uh, straight-ticket voting have any other recourse that's likely to take place before we vote in November.
2: Well, I'll take the last part of it first. <laughs> I, I, it's very hard to imagine that there's anything ca- that could be done now. Mm-hmm. The state has to certify its ballot by Friday, uh, tomorrow, um, and it's uh, it just would be very surprising if um, there's anything in the courts that could be done that quickly to undo what happened yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, not totally ruling it out, but it seems really unlikely. Mm. Um, What would the impact be? Well, you know, in 2016, a lot of folks, myself included, thought that the um, uh, courts keeping straight-ticket voting in place Mm -hmm. was a big help for the Democrats, Mm -hmm. and it really was not. Um, You know, the Republicans uh, swept a lot of areas in places like Macomb County uh, and elsewhere because uh, Donald Trump, if you subtract Oakland and Wayne counties, uh, you know, crushed it in Mm -hmm. the rest of the state. I think he won by something like 10 percentage points. So there there was, um, you know, straight ticket was clearly a boon Mm -hmm. for Republicans uh, everywhere outside of those two counties uh, for the most part. Uh, Now, that said, this is looking like we're still two months away, but this has all the makings of a big Democratic year uh, in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And that said, I I would guess that Democrats would much rather have straight ticket in place. And especially because, uh, you know, it tends to be used more heavily in uh, urban areas and cities uh, where their voters are most heavily concentrated. So the concern has to be that, you know, there will definitely be longer wait times at the polls and do some of their voters um, get frustrated because there have already been a lot of problems with long waits in Detroit and elsewhere, um, and would this just exacerbate that? So I, I would have to think that Democrats have some concern have have some concern about this, maybe quite a bit. Yeah.
1: Uh, uh, what about the lines in places like uh, Detroit uh, or Flint or b- urban areas? I mean, that's the real concern here is that because the ballot in the yeah. state is so long uh, and because the number of polling places is not as high as it probably should be in those areas, people wait a long time. And that, that could also help suppress numbers, right?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, look, uh, you know, I vote in East Lansing, and it's usually, you know, you're in and out pretty mm-hmm, fast, mm-hmm. no big deal. Um, but you hear stories about people waiting an hour, two hours in Detroit, and mm-hmm. you think, you know, every, most people in the state are, are working folks. They don't, you know, they don't have an hour or two hours to just stand in line sure. waiting necessarily to vote, as important as it is. They, You know, maybe they, their job's on the line if they don't get back to work, so... Um, it's, it's a real concern, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, also this week you wrote about a narrow but possible path for Democrats to not only win the governor's office, but to also reclaim both the state house and, uh, the Senate. Uh, tell me, tell me how you come up with the math that makes that possible, Zach.
2: So what's <laughs> happening is there's been this surge of democratic interest and in people voting democratic, in suburban areas that historically have not voted Democratic. Mm -hmm. So in the Detroit area, we're talking places like Birmingham, Bloomfield Township, Novi, Livonia, Plymouth, Northville. Uh, If you look at the primary election turnout, I won't get too wonky on you here, but essentially you have areas that historically had Republicans making up 60, 65% of the primary turnout in a midterm. And all of a sudden, now we have situations where Democrats are making up 50, 55, even 60 percent mm. of the turnout. Mm. Uh, Democratic turnout shooting up in the primary mm-hmm. at five, four, five, nine, 20, 30 times the rate Republican turnout increased. Mm-hmm. So essentially, what I'm looking at here is if Democrats were to sweep uh, these suburban seats that are all now in Republican hands uh, as a result of this surge of uh, suburban voters who are upset with President Trump, um, it really creates this pathway where they only need to flip a few more seats in both the House and the Senate to get majority in both. Now, would, would I bet my house on that? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But if you looked at the beginning of the cycle, you would have said, this, this is pretty much impossible. Um, right. you know, yes, you, you knew Trump was taking office as the most unpopular president, maybe ever, right out of the gate. And you knew there was going to be a lot of Democratic energy, and it created the potential for this. But when you see the numbers actually starting to play out, like they did in August, mm-hmm. you, you know, you think, wow, you know, the Senate, I mean, the Democrats need to gain eight seats just to get to a tie and hope they win the governorship to get the lieutenant governor to break the tie and get the majority. Right. That's, that would be a historic number. The, That's huge. The Democrats have, have never, not since, you know, we went to the modern Senate with four-year terms elected in the midterms in the 60s, have never gained more than five seats in a single Senate election, so mm-hmm. it's it's wild. Um, it's mm-hmm. still, I would say, you know, not likely, but it the chances of it are real,
1: mm-hmm. and and maybe higher. Given the the, the things that have uh, already unfolded. Okay, Zach Gorchow, uh, editor of Gongwer News Service, always great to have you here with us on Detroit Today.
2: Thank you, Stephen. Mm -hmm.
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break. Stay with us on Detroit Today and WDET.